Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast, episode number 30. This is our third Ask a Black Belt segment. So this is our Q&A. Asking Black Belt, asking Black Belt questions. Is that our new song? Nah. No, I don't like it. It wasn't great. I'll get back to you. I'll get get a better one. Yeah, sweet, sweet. Or we could go with, we actually, we didn't talk about it much. Last episode, we had our first guest, which was cool. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it was great. If you haven't listened to that episode, you definitely should. Episode number 29. Yeah, we had JT on, James Tomlinson. Tenacity has multiple names, uh, so we can steer clear of the feds. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we only briefly mentioned his, we didn't go into his bloody rap hip hop video. No, we you, didn't. You did a little like sort of I dig did, at it. I did talk about it, but I didn't, I didn't even, yeah. I didn't poke the bear. But anyway, now that he's not here. I'll hit him up to help me with a little jingle. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to hear the rap video we're talking about, I didn't actually tell everyone where to find it, but I'll, I'll put it in, I'll, I would have put it in the show notes on the previous episode. But if you go onto YouTube and type jujitsu rap music video, you will find the first hit is JT's jujitsu rap video. It's super funny because like I, I remember when he did that eight years ago and in three. the three years ago mm. and in the video, like right at the start, it's filmed in a way that like, makes it look like he's getting out of like, or that this, I think it's like a Land Rover or Range Rover or, you know, like one of those nice SUV cars Mm. is like his, right? Like classic rap hip hop video. You got the nice car. And I remember him telling me, it was like, dude, that was just some car parked on the street. (laughs) 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 That's how they do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. No, but it's it's actually really well produced. It's not bad. Yeah. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I definitely, it's definitely worth a listen. I, I would get on to yeah. it. But, okay, so this is our third Q&A. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Q&A, if you want to submit a question to the, to the show, you can do so over at our Instagram. Uh, this is called Ask a Black Belt, but you can also submit questions to me. I am uh, have nutrition qualification and I'm a PT, being a white belt, Kieran here, and Adam is the black belt. For those that don't know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone fucking knows that. Shut up. All right. Okay. So question one is submitted by a blue belt that trains at uh, Alliance, Sophia. And Sophia asks, do you have any advice for girls when training with aggressive partners? So what I believe she's talking about there is training with aggressive, potentially male partners or partners that are substantially bigger than, than she is. So I... Yeah, it's a great question and I knew about this question before recording and so I've put a lot of thought into it and it's not like you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to come to some type of answer that didn't say, well it depends, but I really struggled to come to that conclusion. Uh and I'll tell you why. It's because you kind of it's it's a fine line and it will depend on the approach of the particular girl. And what I mean by that is I've trained with multiple girls over the years and they, you know, to be very simplistic, they tend to fall into one of two categories, right? You either have, like I'm talking as a guy here, training with girls. Mm -hmm. You either train with girls who appreciate the fact that you kind of train a bit lighter with them because there's usually a weight difference and a strength difference and they appreciate that you know you you roll gently and appropriately with them right 
And then there's other girls who actually find that super offensive that it's kind of like you're not respecting their level of jujitsu or, you know, that they're not good enough to handle you at your their best, which a lot of girls are, right, you know. And I'm sure any white or blue belt who's trained with a higher belt female would tell you that, you know, that chicks can beat the crap out of you in jujitsu, right? So, you know, I've trained with girls who will, will literally say to you or have said to me, no, no, just roll with me like I'm a dude. Like, don't, you know, like just roll normally with me. So in that regard, it's going to depend, okay? If you're in the column A girl and you you kind of want guys to roll with you uh, in little air quotes, like appropriately, right? Like gently or whatever. And you're rolling with a typically aggressive training partner. Well, then that's a problem with that particular training partner, right? That's not your problem is in your, you, the female aren't doing anything wrong. Mm. That's the other dude acting inappropriately. And, you know, he may not be doing it intentionally because he might be of a mindset where, you know, you don't know, maybe that guy has had every single girl he's ever trained with previously say to him, no dude, like it's disrespectful for you to roll light with me, roll properly with me. Right. For all we know. So he might just be assuming that's the norm. So if you're one of the girls who wants the bigger, heavier, stronger dude to roll with you a bit, you know, gentler, then you need to make them aware of it. And if, they still don't act appropriately, then you've got to talk to your instructor, right? Because that could be just a problem with the way that that student is interacting with the other student. Jiu-jitsu is open to everyone. And if you're just in a generic class, then you have to behave appropriately. It's a bit different if you're talking about competition training and stuff. There's, in my opinion, less wiggle room in competition training. It is a little bit more like, well, dude, you stepped into the lion's den, right? So if you're the girl who prefers the gentler role with the guys okay you need to make that partner aware of it you know just tell them or if you maybe feel shy to tell them or maybe you tell them but they don't give a shit then you got to talk to your instructor and a, an instruct and a good instructor will then talk to that student yeah that right? makes perfect sense i think every every student's feelings and opinion is is valid yeah if on the other hand you're the column b girl where you kind of find it uh, offensive that that guys don't train with you properly. And if anyone's listening thinking that that's, that never happens, man, like 99% of the girls I trained with in Brazil would like, they would find it incredibly offensive if you didn't roll with them properly, right? They, yeah, they would hate it, okay? They would find it super disrespectful. So if you're one of those girls, well – then you can't have your cake and eat it too, right? You know what I mean? Mm. You, you, you then got to cop it, right? The same way that us as dudes, some partners are more aggressive than others. And this, you know, I had partners in Brazil that anytime I'd be partnered with them, they their style was just super aggressive. Yeah. That I was like, oh man, I don't want to go with so-and-so. Like, I feel like I'm definitely in that camp. I feel like- as, Yeah, you have a more aggressive yeah, style, way more right? aggressive. Which is like fine. Heavy like top pressure. Like I, you know, get my shoulder right into people's face. Like- you know, as you show me, cup their their face into my neck so they can't yeah. breathe. That's yeah. that's my that's my approach. So yeah, which is a great this, a great approach to have. Yeah, this dude, hits like home we, a bit. we we rolled yesterday, and mm. you super aggressively went for a cross collar choke. On me, <laughs> you know, which was great. Was right? that even like, close? I didn't even uh, ask. 
I don't think it was. No, it wasn't. I don't think the second hand was yeah, in. Yeah, it wasn't deep enough and yeah. like you didn't have my posture control. But I mean like yeah. the, the attack was aggressive and that's fine. I think having an aggressive style in jiu-jitsu from a competitive point of view is a massive strength. Mm. So if you're a girl who wants, you know, for lack of a better term, wants to be like, because, oh, man, you kind of can't win, right? Like because it's, uh, yeah, for me it's like the perfect expression is you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, yeah. you can't be you can't be standing there saying, oh, you know, like girls and guys are all equal and everything, blah, 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 except when I want a girls-only jiu-jitsu class and when I want you to roll with me like I'm a girl. It's like, well, you know, like it's – you're kind of making everyone walk on eggshells. Egg yeah. Know? And this is, for me, like I said, I'm coming from a place where, you know, I, I had – I was – I got verbally chewed out by girls when I rolled with them lightly. They were like, dude, what the, you know, like they found it so disrespectful, right? See, I've so, always defaulted to roll light. And I girls. and I still to today yeah, that's de- what, default, that's my default. default to that, right? Um, but I mean, also myself, I mean, I'm, I'm close to the, you know, to the hundred kilos. So there's not many girls that are, uh, close to my weight. But as we've mentioned before, I used to train every day with Gabby Garcia, mm. who, uh, I mean, she's, she's super- renowned for she, being a, a solid chick. Yeah, she's, yeah, I mean, she's super lean and shredded now. Yeah. So she's probably a bit lighter than me now. But I mean, we used to weigh the same. Mm. And man, we've rolled like, you know, man, super hard. Yeah. Right. And there's girls lighter than Gabby who could beat me as well back when I was a, a blue belt or purple belt or whatever. So I think I I do default to that too. But mm. yeah, I mean, if you're a competitive girl, as in like you you do competitions and you want to do comp training and all this stuff, man, like, yeah, you can't have your cake and eat it too. If you're in there and you want to be rolled with properly, mm. sometimes you have more aggressive training partners than others, right? And yeah, you've got a are you column A or column B. Yeah. Right? I think if you're column B, you've either you've just got to suck it up, or maybe, you know, you might have to avoid certain people. Like I said, even even for myself, I had times where I was like, man, I don't, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not psyched or I'm not ready, emotionally ready to roll with so and so. He's just so aggressive. I got a question on the back of this. Mm. How do you is it okay to say no to a training partner? Uh, I think that goes back into how sometimes we've spoken about the unspoken rules of etiquette and mm. stuff like that. Yeah, so it's going to depend on the gym. You know, if it's a gym that's super old school etiquette, well, if they're a higher belt than you, then no, you're what not. What if gonna... we're talking peer to peer? So say I'm a white belt and I'm I'm ducking one of the other white belts. If you're in comp tr- comp training, then no, you can't, right? Because yeah. uh, uh, in my opinion, if you're not ready to train like a competitor yeah. and then you say no to someone, man, you're like, you're harming his training. Yeah. He's turned up to prepare for comps yeah. and now you're being like, oh, no, nah, I don't want to roll, want you know? Easier roles like, or whatever. Yeah. Well, then you're in the wrong class. Yeah, 100%. You know, maybe if it's just a generic class, you know, you might be able to get away with it. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on the gym and the kind of school your instructor runs. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan for turning down roles. I yeah. don't, you know. I don't – different if it's an open mat, right? But if, if you're in class, it's like, well, man, you know, you don't have a partner, I don't have a partner, let's roll. Yeah. In saying that, sometimes you have those dudes that, you know, despite maybe they're so pure at heart and they have all your best interests at heart, but sometimes they're those dudes It's like, oh, you injure me every time. Like I just don't want to roll with you because you always injure me. 
I'd make up some excuse, but that's just like self-preservation. Is it okay to say to someone like, say you're a, you're someone like Sophia, or maybe you're like a a lighter guy, maybe you're like 70 kilos and you got that hundred kilo dude that always like messes you up. If they, and you are preparing for a comp, maybe it is a comp class and they ask to roll with you and you say something along the lines of, oh, sorry, not today. I'm looking to to roll with um, people my, closer to my weight. Yeah, is that okay? I've, yeah, yeah, I've had that. Yeah, that that's a bit more common you see in comp roles. Yeah. yeah. Like, and and conversely, I'll do that the other way around. Yeah, you know, I'll yeah tell, likewise. I'll, I'll, like I'll, I'll avoid rolling with someone who'll ask to roll with me and they'll be too light for me. And I'll be like, oh, no, nah, man, I'm, you know, I just want to roll with someone heavier. That's not to say you can't gain anything from rolling, with other weights, but yeah, you might want, maybe you're specifically looking for, for people closer to your weight. Yeah. Maybe you're like two weeks out or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's fine. Okay, cool. All right. So yeah, awesome. you're either column A or column B. If you're column A, talk to the person or the instructor. If you're column B, yeah, kind of have talk your cake to and eat it too. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, question number two comes from Harry. Harry's a white belt and Harry asks, how should gyms handle reopening post lockdown for context. I mean, everyone that listens to this podcast should be aware by this point, but we are in Sydney and we have just come out of lockdown. So by the time this airs, we'd been training for about three weeks at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, not all gyms, right? I mean, yes, don't want to go in, don't want to go into the political side of it, but some gyms have remained closed for whatever reason, mm-hmm. but uh, most gyms have opened. They just have to follow a, a few certain protocols. Uh, to answer Harry's question, I'm just kind of going to give a very generic answer to this. Uh, I think in terms of how you should handle it from a business point of view, for me, and I'm just following the, the guidelines that have been given to me. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a small business trying to run a gym. I've been given the green light to open as long as I follow these certain rules I'm just following those rules, right? Yeah. And I can open. I mean, for me, it's as black and white as that, okay? The only, without going into the politics of stuff, what should you, how should you handle reopening post-lockdown? The thing that I am super passionate about making sure you do post-lockdown is that you really advise your students of – the effects that have taken, like what's happened to their body after three months of no training, right? Like you would know this, Kieran, because you've been to class since we reopened. I said to everyone, guys, don't take, you know, the body's an amazing thing. It adapts super quickly. So don't take for granted how quickly your body adapted to not training jujitsu, right? You can't just jump back in the deep end. Uh, Obviously, I never want my students to get hurt, but if you come back in post lockdown and you just try to train like you did before lockdown, that's when you may get injured, but even without an injury, that's when you might leave the gym being like, oh man, I got stacked so hard, my neck, oh, it's not an injury, but you'll be like, you know, that sore neck for it's a bit of a kink or yeah, something. two or three yeah. days or like, oh man, my shoulder, whoa, that's going to be sore tomorrow and it's unnecessary right? Uh, even myself, as we're recording this, uh, I've trained the last two days in the in a row. The first Monday and Tuesday I've trained, you know, because the gym just opened. And even I'm sore, right? I've gone from doing jujitsu every single day of the week 
to not doing it for three months because even though I stayed active and everything through lockdown, it's not the same as having a gym open where I'm teaching and training multiple classes a day every day. Man, I, all I did was do two, like a relatively light session on Monday and Tuesday. And, uh, you know, last night you were there, Kieran, it felt like a hard session, but if you looked at the, you know, the minutes of rounds we did it was like nothing, right? Yeah. But all of us were dead at the yeah. end. Okay? Yeah, it was fried. So, um, but you one know, thing I will say from, from this experience coming back after, you know, three months off, there's a lot of squishy blue belts rolling around. <laughs> you mean like squishies in pudgy? Yeah, yeah. right for the taking. <laughs> I've been having a blast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Huge call out. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, there's obviously other things I could talk a lot about post lockdown things that the business should do, like, you know, uh, contacting your members yeah. and all this sort of stuff. What should you do about memberships and all that? But I mean, that's a different conversation. I suppose. I don't think that's what Harry was, was asking. Yeah. Uh, you know, but if you, if you dealt with lockdown correctly, you probably, you would have stayed engaged with your members through lockdown. Mm. Um, so yeah, but as we, but without doing talking about the polit political side of lockdown and mm -hmm. all the requirements and vaccines and all that stuff, I think it's very important that you as a student and gyms and the gym owners and instructors should be making sure that their students don't come in and do that one Monday class and then need a week off. Yeah. And right? I suppose that you can apply this advice to if you've taken a break, maybe you've gone as on well, a holiday yeah. for a month or something because a month is a long time not to it train jujitsu. Yeah. Like jujitsu is pretty hectic in terms of its cardio and mobility strength output required. It's, it's not like going for a jog or something like that. So I think that's sound advice regardless for why you took time off. Yeah. Like I used to use a metric that was, you know, whatever amount of time I took off, I needed twice that amount of time to get back to where I was. Yeah. That's, so if yeah. I took a month off, I needed two months to get back to where I was before I had that time off. That makes sense. Right? And I mean, obviously that's just a very generic metric. Everyone's going to be different, but mm. you know, like. So we've got six months. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> okay. So next question is uh, from Dan. Dan is a blue belt. Uh, Dan trains at our gym and he asks, have you ever had any unwanted erections during a role? <laughs> That's, uh, I mean, I know Dan quite well. There's probably a few people listening and, and, and chuckling to that question, but I'm actually surprised Dan sent that in. Mm. I've known Dan for quite a while and uh, he's coming from a, a legitimate question. Dan has suffered for a long time from quite severe ED, right? Yeah. Erectile dysfunction. And he's recently gone on some new treatment or medication, right? I don't, I'm not a doctor. So it's a legit concern, right? I don't, I have no idea how like Viagra and all that stuff works, right? Yeah. But, you know, it's a legit concern. And yeah, I'm he's a bit more open about it now than yeah, he was. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised he submitted previously. it as well. But, but uh, obviously he's concerned that something awkward could happen during a role. Uh, you know, in short, I've, it's never happened to me and I've mm -hmm. never seen it happen to anyone. Yeah. You know, I'm sure Dan would agree. Like when you're rolling and when you're, and one of the things that people love about jujitsu is when you're rolling 
and getting choked or even not getting choked, but you're rolling, like it's impossible to think about anything else. Yeah, 100%. Right? That's why people love it as a tool to relieve stress mm -hmm. or a hard day's work. Because when you're in a roll, like, yeah. It's the last thing you're thinking about. Yeah, you, and that's an interesting perception for people that don't train jujitsu. Like my friend, uh, Zach, who has done a bit of jujitsu, his wife says, isn't it just like sex, but with clothes on? Because that's like a perception from the, the general public because you're grappling, yeah. you're very, it seems like it may be intimate or personal with someone, but it's just but it's, not. Yeah, it's, it's not, not a, even like, close. Like one of the things that is like, you know, like let's say this, for example, I mean, this would be a silly example, but anyone who trains is going to agree with me. If all of a sudden, like, I don't know, like you and I are just hanging out and for whatever reason I touched your butt, that mm. would be weird. But if we're rolling and I reach up and I'm trying to bearing bolo and I grab your drawstring and my fingers are pretty much going down your butt crack and yeah. your pants start falling off, like for some reason, like it's not weird at all. Like nah. it's like what the last thing you're thinking about is anything sexual or yeah. awkward. Like, and I think it's because, you know, people who train jujitsu, like you know it's real. It's yes. not a little air quotes fake martial art. Yes. Like you're literally you grappling and wrestling. Out. Your and arm could be broken. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in Dan's case, I know he's a bit concerned about his medical condition. Um, but my advice to Dan would be if that does happen, just politely excuse yourself and, you know, yeah. return and, when and you're it, ready. And if it did happen, I would argue that it's not a jujitsu thing. It's, it's probably a Medication, medication or yeah. dosage thing. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't really know, but, um, but anyway, wishing, wishing Dan all the best in, um, in his new procedures and treatments, but yeah, he'll yeah, be sweet. He'll be all right. Okay. Question four comes from Richard and Richard asks a really interesting one that I'm curious to hear the answer to as well. Uh, Richard asks what's with the gauntlet on promotion to colored belts. So for those that don't know, the gauntlet is, uh, tradition, I would say, of you need to effectively walk through a line of people where they slap you with your their belt on your back. So imagine yeah. you're walking through like a tunnel like of people. Like a corridor of people. Yeah, a corridor yeah. of people, people on each side, and they're whacking the shit out of you with their, uh, with their belts. What's with that, Adam? Yeah, so the gauntlet. Um, I've been on both sides of it. Uh, well, all sides of it, right? Like I've been whipped by belts i've done the whipping and i've also now on the side of it where we don't do the gauntlet at our gym so to give a bit of history on the gauntlet it's kind of one of those things that no one really knows where it started if you talk to to fabio my coach uh you know he won't say he started it but he's kind of like i don't really know st who started it but we kind of just started doing it in the gym for whatever reason. Cause well, I mean, not for whatever reason, because back then it was a bunch of friends training together. Mm. So, I mean, the same way that guys do stupid stuff at school, like let's play, I don't know what they call that game, but you punch each other in the arm, oh, you, know, to, yeah. you know, to see who taps played, out first. I played that game, you know, it's so just like fucking dumb. Just stupid games. Or I used to play a game with my friends at school. You'd spin a 20 cent piece like uh, like a coin on the table and you'd yeah. have to keep flicking it. Yeah. And then if whoever knocked it over would then get the coin slammed into their knuckles. Like yeah. dumb oh, stuff, and right? Have you you played knuckles as well where you got to like hit each other on the knuckles yeah, and like right? you got to yeah. like dodge it. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the slaps, yeah, yeah, but knuckles yeah, yeah. is yeah. worse, right? That yeah. knuckle way worse. It fucked up um, my hand on that. So yeah, they, they started doing it. And Fabio actually uh, calls it one of his biggest regrets was right. uh, starting the gauntlet. 
the there's it is so unnecessary, and I don't. I mean, it's not. I don't want to say the word barbaric, but it's just it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, let's say, let's say, yeah, you're changing belts, right? And you've done all this work to get your new belt, but the last thing standing in between you and getting your belt, getting your blue belt, is you getting like whipped by everyone else. You've got to show that you're tough enough to take a whipping, to take this unnecessary physical abuse to earn your belt. Mm. Man, anyone who advocates for the gauntlet, I say this to them. You like you would have already done your time and earned your belt through the months, years of training to get to that point. The last thing you need is some trivial belt whipping to prove that you're deserving of that belt. If you think that's the case, then give me one round with you and I will roll with you to a point where you'll be begging for the gauntlet, Mm. right? Like I can roll – like. I'm not saying that as in like, I know that probably sounded like I'm a big tough guy. Like I'm just trying to make the point that like your training should be hard enough. Like the the gauntlet is so unnecessary, Mm. right? You should be having roles that are like you, you're proving yourself through your jujitsu, not through, you know, whether you can take a whipping. Mm. Right. And the, I mean, so Fabio, we used to do it at his gym and it was quite brutal because you would do if you were doing you would have the corridor and if you if you got your blue belt you would go up and back if you got your purple belt you would go up back up back and if you got your brown you go up back up back up back and the black belts would stand at the ends so when you were just walking through the corridor the people in the middle just kind of got one swipe at you but the black belts would stand at the ends. So as you would like get up to the end and be turning around to go back down, they would just like hammer you multiple times, bro. And it seems like a frat party or like a frat initiation sort of thing. And, and it's just stupid. Like it's, you know, uh, I think it it seems to be the benefit of those doing the whipping, not the actual student. It's it's not for the student. It's it's like this. Yeah. It's like kind of like a hazing thing. It kind of, it's that, you know, uh, never-ending cycle of well, people abused me when it when I got my belt. So now, you know, the payoff is that I get to abuse someone else. It's like, well, no, man, like that's not how it works. And one of the reasons that it's kind of the final straw for Fabio, even when Fabio did the gauntlet, at least in my time with him, like Fabio didn't partake in it, right? Like he didn't whip anyone or anything. Mm. You could, I could already tell that it wasn't really his thing, but the final straw was uh, when like a mum saw one of her kids, not kid's kid, you know, it was like a teenager or late teens or whatever, get whipped and she almost sued him. Wow. Because it was just like, like it, it's literally abuse, man. Yeah. You know, when you see it, if, if you've never seen a full like Brazilian style gauntlet and dudes have well, you think paintball bruises are bad, man, like so bad. And it's at the end of class, people's belts are usually wet yeah. from sweat as it well. Seems retu- like it just seems ridiculous that. Yeah. It's so, know. it's so stupid. And I think any gyms who still do it are super outdated. It's, you know, I know there are I, some I can, gyms that you, do it. You can have roles with your students that are, especially if you're talking about lower belts, like a white yeah. belt getting their blue belt. If you're, you know, I'm not saying you have to be the best black belt in the world, but you would assume 
the average bat, black belt can demolish the average white belt. So if, if, if you've got a white belt getting a blue belt, you should be able to make rolls with that white belt way more insufferable than a gauntlet. Mm. And I would prefer my student to, to show how much grit they've got through a roll than through just getting whipped. It's, yeah. it's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, totally agree with you. So hopefully that uh, sheds some light on the gauntlet for, yeah. for Richard there. Um, now we do have a, another question that is a bit niche to your expertise, not only as a black belt, but as a gym owner as well. So this one comes from Hamza uh, and he is a brown belt that is opening a, a new gym in the northeastern suburbs of Melbourne called Focus Jiu-Jitsu. So shout out to Hamza and shout out to Focus Jiu-Jitsu. And he asks, do you have any tips for opening a gym and advice on attracting the first 20 core members of the gym? Yeah, it's a good question because if you come from somewhere – if you already come from a status symbol, it's very easy, right? You know, what do you if, mean by status symbol? Well, like if you're already a name in jiu-jitsu, you can just open a gym and people turn up. Right. Pe- people leave their current gyms to come train with like you. Like the B team in, in Austin. Exactly, yeah. right? Like there would have been people who left, not yes. everyone, right? Because some yeah. people, it's, they don't care about who's who or some people are super loyal to their gym or team. But there, 100% there would have been people who left their current gyms to go train with uh, Craig and Nicky Ryan and Enrod and that. Oops. Sorry, <laughs> sorry knocked the bottle over. Uh, so, yeah, unless you're already a famous person in the jiu-jitsu community, you're not going to have that, you know, influx of instantly day one a bunch of members, right? So – the, the best way to do it is you need to make some type of connection in your community, right? So whether that's the jujitsu scene in your area is obviously valuable, right? So by throughout the years having done, because you would assume that you're not just like a random person opening a gym, right? You're a brown belt, so you've been training for X amount of time, hopefully in the area, so you've competed and stuff. So you at least have connections, Okay, you may not be someone in jiu-jitsu in terms of a, a status symbol, but you know people in the jiu-jitsu community. So that's valuable, right? Making connections in your community. What, what do I mean by community? So other gyms, not necessarily jiu-jitsu gyms, but making connections with other, other like fitness gyms or CrossFit gyms, uh, other similar interested businesses like supplement shops, right? And then, of course, super important to make connections with schools. Some people don't want to hear this, but in le- again, unless you're uh, Lucas Lepre opening a gym, you're, like, you need to teach kids classes. From just a small business point of view, especially talking to someone who's opening a gym here in Australia, man, like kids are just such a valuable revenue stream for your business. And I mean, even Lucas Lepre's gym, he teaches kids. I know he, and even Lucas himself teaches the kids class sometimes, right? So making those connections in your community go a long way, right? After that, uh, I mean, I I hate to admit it, but you've just got to be all over social media. Everyone knows nowadays it's really the best marketing tool. So you've got to have your Instagram, you've got to have your, whether it's a, a Twitter or a TikTok or something, and you've got to try to, to be relevant on your social media 
and have a, a open date so you know when you're opening so you can tell people you're opening, right? And start getting pre-registrations. What I mean, I went through the same thing. When I opened my gym, I was pretty much the exact same situation. I had I knew people in the jiu-jitsu scene in Sydney, right? But I'm not a big famous person. I wasn't going to have a massive influx of people. So uh, I had I had a date that we were opening and, you know, people could – we had like an online form where they could submit their – like put in their details to receive more information about the gym. Mm-hmm. So they're already leads, right? They're not – it's hard to get people to pre-sign up unless they're people you personally know, mm-hmm. right? Coming from a place of not being a famous person, you're not really going to get pre-sign ups, I don't think. I mean, maybe if you – had someone, if you had, uh, if you invested a lot in a marketing strategy, like if you hired someone to do the marketing for you, maybe, right? That might pay off. But if you're just doing it all yourself, I doubt you're really going to get pre sign ups, but you can at least get those leads, right? People who are going to put in their email, say, you know, to find out more information. And I mean, I got people putting in their email that live two hours drive away. Of course, they were never then going to come train with me, right? But you're starting to get leads. Right. And then before I opened, I just did like a, an open mat sort of thing. So I welcomed everyone. So people who trained at other gyms and were never going to leave their gym to come train with me, but I knew them through the jujitsu community, they came and maybe they brought a friend of theirs who doesn't train yet, but lives really close to my gym. Mm. And then they came to that little open mat, like soft opening, grand opening or whatever. Right. So word of mouth sort of uh, networking. Yeah, I think my, I think the I'm not a marketer, but I believe, especially in jujitsu, your strongest tool is your reputation. The downside of that is it takes a long time to develop, right? And a lot of it is through word of mouth. Okay, but that would be my overall advice in attracting the first twenty members. The other thing I'll answer about that question is it seems very obvious, but I can't stress enough how important it is to really, really understand all from a business point of view, all your overheads before you go in and open the gym. And lots of people just think they go, oh man, okay, so rent is this much and I'm charging whatever it is, like $50 a week. So if I have 10 members, I'm getting 500, you know, oh yeah, all those numbers check out. Man, it's not that simple, right? Like you've got You've got rent, you've got your electricity, if you've got gas for your hot water, you've got public liability insurance, you've got software, you've got, you know, even little things you don't realize in a uniforms. small business, uniforms, yeah. right, which aren't, uh, you know, it can be months that you get that return on investment because mm-hmm. you've got to stock the uniforms. Little things that you don't realize, you know, uh, if you're just like, oh, I need like mop and cleaning stuff to clean the mats and, you know, okay, you've just spent whatever it is, 60 bucks on buying like a good mop and a bucket and all this stuff. Like it all adds up. It all adds up, man. Mm-hmm. Like you realize like, oh man, that dude cut him. So, oh, I don't have a first aid kit, you know, yep. like it, it all adds up, man. Yeah. Belts so, and everything like. Yeah. Everything, even even the stripes to put on people's belts. Yep. Like when that runs out and I go to the chemist to buy more tape, I'll be like, I'll spend like 40 bucks in on tape, tape yeah. which, okay, $40 isn't a huge amount of money, but you're like, it's just tape to put stripes on belts. Yeah. Right? You add that to the 60 for the cleaning products and you add that yeah, to man. the drinks and or you add that to the uniforms and every little thing. And that's, that's with business, a lot of small businesses like yours in general. But I think um, if you're starting a business for the first time, 
that's the first thing. Yeah, you especially if you're going the the average jujitsu owner, uh, they usually they usually don't come from a place of like having an MBA in business, yeah. right? Like they usually they're what they're a professional at is jujitsu or teaching jujitsu, so they usually don't come from a place of being super business savvy mm-hmm. or. You know, so some things that may be obvious to some aren't to others. But, yeah, I can't stress enough how important it is to, like, when I say your overheads, like, like I mean everything, man. You know, it, it adds up. You'd be you'd be surprised. It's not as simple as saying, well, I pay $1,000 a week rent. You know, I got, you know, 20 members paying 50 bucks a week. Okay, I, so I'm breaking even. Nah, man, you wouldn't be breaking even, right? Yeah. So – to summarize, make sure you understand your overheads and everything. That's super important. And yeah, get on your social media and network in your community, right? To start getting people to register their email, to find out more information, and then start with some sort of open mat that makes it welcome to everyone because they might bring people who you will then, you won't convert that person that you know because they train at such and such gym, but they might bring a friend who might train at your gym. Right. Mm. And that, and that happened to me. There were people who the only reason they didn't train with their friend is because their friend's gym was too far away. But turns out my gym is right next to where this dude lives. Mm. Right. So, you know, don't another mistake. Sorry to, I know I was just summarizing, but this is big. Another mistake that jujitsu gym owners do is that they think that their target customer their target consumer are people who already train jujitsu no man like they like they already train and they already train somewhere else it is if you're talking about how much it costs for customer acquisition if you're trying to acquire customers who already train somewhere else think about how much money in acquisition it's going to cost you to make them leave their team and convert to your team right like that's so much work man you you're target audience are people who don't train jujitsu yet right i can tell you from experience and from experience having managed alliance gyms all around the world people don't leave their gym to train at your gym like unless you're a massive name yeah i I can't think of why i would i was just trying to put myself in in the shoes of someone to leave i know yeah like i'm in a a little bit of a different position i know but but i mean just still just even as a thought experiment like let's say hypothetically a gym opened across the road from from my gym like i can't think like what would be a reason that if if it's cost the same price and it's the same facilities and everything what could be the reason that would make you leave and train at that gym? Like the only one could be, oh man, like John Danaher. Was yeah, there it's John shit. Danaher's new gym or but something, right? Like I'd visit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, don't target people who already train. But like I said, that open mat, you can be targeting the people who don't train potentially through someone who already does, like a mutual connection. Mm. What uh, do you think of people that did leave their gyms in Austin to train at B team? Maybe they are purple belt or blue belt or something and they've been in the gym for like two years to to leave and join craig jones when they're not trying to be the world champion yeah the, well yeah it's interesting you, you finish that thought with yes with that yes because i think there's three ways that that it could happen either a it's because that they are a student who 
man that like they want jujitsu to be their life and they want to become a world champion and maybe they love the gym that they're at but man all of a sudden they've got an opportunity to train with Craig and Nikki and you know and they're going there you know you can't you can't really fault them right I mean how is that any different to me moving to Brazil to train you know I was like man if I want to do this I've got to go train with the best Mm -hmm. right so if that's the case you can't really fault them if they've left, another common reason that they would left leave, sorry, is because maybe their current gym is actually just bad. Mm. You know, uh, you see that a lot. There's a lot of, like any business, there's a lot of bad businesses out there, whether it's jujitsu or a cafe or whatever. So maybe they left because their gym was already shit, you know, and that's their right. You know, gyms don't own their students. I've said this so many times, this whole like, Creonchi you know, just, thing, yeah. yeah, and this just unwavering, unconditional loyalty for nothing. It's like, dude, like they don't owe you anything. You pay them a membership. They owe you, right? And most of the time you pay in advance. So they owe you. So Gary Tonin spoke about this concept a little while ago on just on his Instagram or on his Instagram story or something like that. And it was along the lines of, you know, talking about jujitsu tattoos. Firstly, I want to get your opinion on jiu-jitsu tattoos. But secondly, um, if I'm remembering this correctly, and if I'm not, I'm sure I'm going to get corrected. If not on the podcast feed, definitely YouTube. But uh, Gary was basically pushing back against that and saying he doesn't agree. He doesn't agree that it's a business. And he and he was saying something along the lines of, if you think jiu-jitsu is just a business transaction, then you know, you're in it for the wrong reasons. You're not seeing the lifestyle element. You're not seeing the value, how it, you know, is a part of your life. It's a brotherhood and, you know, you, you bleed together, you share together, etc. So what do you think about that? I mean, I, I agree with like what the point he's trying to get across, but at the same time, like what a moron, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> call out, you know, I mean, it has to be, it's kind of like I would be interested to see if it goes the other way, right? Like if it is this brotherhood and it is all that, like then then why is money even involved, right? Mm. Oh, because I can't pay the rent by myself. Okay, cool. But are you going to let that student train for free when they can't afford to pay you? Like does it go both ways? What about when they're struggling to, to buy formula for their son or something? Are, are, do they then get free membership? Or if it's this brotherhood, are you going to sling them some cash when they're struggling to pay their rental rent? You know, like, like where do you draw the line? Yeah, like, exactly. Who's, where do you draw who's the, in the club and who's not? Is it only black belt? Yeah. And I, it, you it know, becomes messy. Like, yeah. man, it'd be different. Like, I'm not saying jujitsu is a business, right? But I mean, if you're talking about the gym, dude, it's a commercial property. It's got bills. It's got all this stuff. Like, I mean, it, it is a business transaction, man. Yeah. I don't care how friendly you get with the person. But that like, doesn't mean that it can't be this like, you know, tight knit team. Like it doesn't well, mean yeah, that it can't be this brotherhood that's or this right. sisterhood. It's, it's no different to, it's no different to, you know, the whole angle where, uh, People say, oh, if you're really friends with someone and they've started a business, pay for the pay for their business, like as in pay for their service. Don't ask for freebies. Mm. You know, that whole angle. It's like, 100%. well, if you're really good friends with that person, you should be willing to support their business opposed to asking for handouts. You know, the same for me. Like if I had a, you know, I've got a friend who trains with me and uh, man, he's more than happy when he needs a new gi 
to pay for it. He actually, you know, and this is a really good friend of mine. He doesn't even let me sell it to him at cost price, right? He, he's more than happy to pay for it because he knows that, you know, one, if I give it to him for free, that's literally me going like, okay, here's whatever the cost price is. Here's a hundred dollars yeah. or whatever, yeah. like out of my pocket, you know, as a small business, that's usually out of my pocket, right? Yeah. We're not talking like this is a $20 million business and it's like, oh, man, it's a, expense, just, yeah. just take it, right? Yeah. It's not, the jujitsu gyms are usually small businesses. So yeah, like, I mean, I agree with Gary that there is a lot of camaraderie and all this stuff, but Man, in terms of the physical brick and mortar, like it is a business transaction, bro. And if you treat your student like shit, they're more than welcome to stop paying you mm. and go somewhere else. The example I always give is, you know, I don't care how good of a friend I would become with my accountant. If he started losing me money, I would fire him and get a new accountant, right? Like I don't care how tight of a brotherhood is you know, yeah, we bleed together, we sweat together. Yeah, man. Yeah. But like, yeah, does it go both ways? Are you going to be taking money out of your pocket? Like, is it just all, yeah, I think that's it's bullshit, right? It's yeah. A, yeah. Get me riled up, man. It's so that so, was the, I think it's just Did you so, cover all three? Sorry, you, you covered the, 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 you said there was three reasons to leave oh, your right. gym to join B team and I derailed you. Yeah, Sorry. no, the, and yeah, so one would be, yeah, to be a competitor. So yep, you've gone to, to be a world champion. Two would be, yeah, that your, your gym, gym is treating you like shit mm -hmm. and yeah. Brotherhood, man, that's just like taking all the responsibility off the instructor's shoulders, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Uh, the third would be that people would leave because they're like fanboys, which, yeah. which I don't, I don't get. Like, I mean, look, it could go both ways, but I would see that as I wouldn't be even. I wouldn't be super happy if my students left just because they were fanboys, because. You know, I believe I do treat my students really well and I do have their best interests at heart and, and all that. Like I, whenever a student does leave me, I don't get upset at them. I look at myself and go, what did I do wrong to lose that student? And sometimes you didn't do anything wrong. They just didn't like your style. That happens, right? The same way if I own an Italian restaurant and people don't eat there and, and, and I go, why? And they say, I don't like Italian food. Well, okay, well, Yes, see you later. You know, like mm. my business isn't for you. So that can happen. But if I did everything right, if I feel I did everything right and they left because they're just fanboys, I would be like, I'd be a bit like, eh, I'd be a bit down on it. But I think that's also me because I just don't really, we spoke about that when we had the episode, should you meet your heroes or whatever. Yeah, that's your approach, and, yeah. Yeah, I just don't understand that whole like, there's a famous person. Oh, I want a photo with them. Oh my God. Like it just doesn't even make sense to me. But yeah. I know for a lot of people it does, right? Yeah, so, that, that makes sense. But that's, yeah, that's just my opinion. So the next question I had is actually a question from me, selfishly. Just <laughs> oh, shit. Just slinking on in here. <laughs> so my question is, I know that you spoke at length, I believe it was episode number six, uh, I believe it was titled something along the lines I of- I could bring um, it up, but BJJ. two episodes in a row, yeah. I forgot my laptop. All good, but it's like along <laughs> the lines of BJJ Black Belt journey to Brazil. So when you, you went to Brazil to join the Alliance headquarters in Sao Paulo, mm -hmm. and in your own words, your thought process at the time was you wanted to go to the Harvard of Jiu-Jitsu because yeah. at the time it was considered one of the, if not the, best gyms in the world yeah. and that is exemplified in the fact that this um the ibjjf world's just gone by alliance as a team won that uh, 
with the most points, right? So they won. I actually didn't follow it. I, I might. I think you might be wrong. I think they got no, not third. Not, oh, you. Yeah, sorry, the one before in oh, gi. Right. Oh, right. Gi. Yes, meant, yes, sorry. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, I, my timeline's off because the no gi worlds were like literally last weekend. Yeah, right. which um, I believe Alliance got third. I think. Right. Sorry, I was talking. Anyway, yes, gi. yes. Well, we won fucking gi. Anyway. <laughs> um, listen to me. We we did it. We did <laughs> yeah. it. I'm the best. Oh, um, I didn't train back then, but we did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my question to you is. If you were in the same position as you were like 10 years ago now, say you're in my position now, but you had the same sort of thought process and you couldn't train at your own gym because it didn't it didn't exist, right? Yeah. So where would you go? If someone out there is listening to this and they're like, hey, you know what? I do want to be the best in the world in jiu-jitsu. Where, where would be, in your opinion, the Harvard of jiu-jitsu now? Trying to keep your alliance bias out of it, but if it is alliance, yeah. then then go for it. Uh, yeah. So obviously, we if we ignore some logistics stuff, yep, to do with go vi- anywhere. visas and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to to argue with the. I mean, I'm going to have to try ignore the the power of influence that that flow and social media has, mm-hmm. right? Because that really would would make people make their final decision. But I think obviously Alliance is still a possibility because it is mm-hmm. still the the gym that's that's winning the most world titles. I think I would look at either the the headquarters in Sao Paulo because even though Fabio doesn't teach, he, he rarely teaches now, right? Obviously Fabio has been doing it for decades. So mm-hmm. he's not teaching twice a day every day anymore. But Michael Lange is still the head instructor there who's like a, you know, three-time world champion, I think. I would either go, there's still a great team um, or there's another alliance in Porto Alegre that's really good. Uh, if That's where I would go if I was going to Brazil, okay. right? I, You know, there's, I don't really see another massive Brazil team at the moment. Uh, Cicero Costa used to be really big, but most of those guys went to Unity in New York, right? Uh, if I was looking in the US, if I'm still sticking with Alliance, my personal two would either be Lepre or Marcelo Garcia. Not that Cabrinhas wouldn't be a good school, but I'm just personally more of a fan of of, Mar- of Mar- fanboy maybe yeah, uh-huh. yeah, of Marcelo and Lucas's style. But if if we just move away from Alliance at the moment, I think the other really good options, uh, uh, Atos, I'm, the Atos yeah. headquarters, I really I saw that one coming. Yeah, yeah, despite yeah. my thoughts on the amount of acai that they eat and the amount lots of, of acai, the, the Jesus. amount of Jesus, uh, I think Andre Andre Galvao is an incredibly good instructor. Those yeah. guys are yes, they're massively jacked, but they're not just meatheads. They're super technical, mm. and um, I think they they do really great work. Uh, if you're more into the no-gi scene, man, it's like it's hard to argue with whether you go train with like Craig or Gordon. Like, mm. I mean, obviously Atos is still producing, like look at the Hudelo brothers. And, yeah. You know, Galvao is a fully-fledged no-gi guy in his own right. Yeah, ADCC you know? champion. Yep. But then you, do, you still have the Alliance guys as well. Marcelo Garcia, you know, mm. uh, his student, Mateus Diniz, won the last ADCC against Craig. It was a rather boring fight, but, you know, that happens sometimes when two go- dudes are so closely matched. Mm. Uh, you know, so you got an ADCC champion there as well. So there are lots of options. I mean, I guess... Obviously, I'm more 
connected to the Alliance side of things. So there's multiple Alliance gyms you could choose in the US. I kind of only see there being like a couple of options in Brazil. Um, or yeah, like I think the Atos gym in San Diego would be awesome. Uh, yeah. Or you've got, you know, the new B team, OG, B team or new Mexican Wave Grand Karate. Technically they're not jujitsu, they're Mexican Grand Mexican Karate. Grand so karate. you need to take that into account. Yeah. They're the ones I would personally look at, you know, and then if you were like, if you're on board with all of them, well, then I guess it's just which which gym style do you like the best? Because sometimes you don't realize until you train somewhere, you might not like their style, you know? Like mm. the the story I always tell is when when Levi first started training in the US, he actually went and trained with Cabrinha under Alliance in, uh, in California, but he just didn't like Cabrinha's style, the way he taught. And so he ended up in New York with Unity. Doesn't mean Cabrini's a bad instructor. Cabrini's produced a lot of high-level dudes, yeah. right? But it just wasn't his style. So I'm sitting here saying Atos, but I've never personally trained there. I've only only from the videos I watch and all that sort of stuff. I might go train with Andre and be and not enjoy the way his classes run. Yeah, you know, I've seen a couple of like videos of his classes and obviously his instructionals, particularly the Stack Pass instructional and BJJ Fanatics, and I do. I do vibe with his communication style, particularly during during a class. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same with like the B team as well, right? I've never, I mean, I've trained with Craig, you know, when we were lower belts, but I've never trained at his gym. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I like the way, at least from his instructionals, the way he articulates his techniques and whatnot, but I've never done one of his classes. I don't know what the vibe is like at the gym and all that. And I might not like it, mm. you know? So you also... I mean, yeah, we're ignoring the logistics. Let's imagine we could just fly around and try each gym out before yeah. making a decision. But yeah, uh, there's so many good options, right? And and again, we're talking to a very it's niche, a small number of people niche, that, are, niche community. that are looking to yeah. that are willing to move overseas to to pursue jujitsu. Yeah. Like I've I've again, I always talk about the comments I get on YouTube, but there's some interesting ones, and you kind of get an interesting cross section of the community. Uh, when you, you know, you read through comments on jujitsu specific videos, but I've had people comment on my videos, particularly around B team saying things along the lines of why would you move for jujitsu or why would you move for a hobby? Or it's ridiculous to move for a hobby. And those are the exact people we're not talking to. <laughs> like, well, in, if, if jujitsu in your life, you do it twice per week and it is a hobby. Then, yeah, you yeah, would never move. Why for would you it, move yeah. for it? It's insane. It, that's like moving to play cricket when you play it, you know, once on a weekend or something, or play but soccer. If it, yeah, but if it's what you want to do, exactly. it's like a chef moving to France because you know they want to be a like French cuisine yeah. is their thing. Yeah, or, and undergo an apprenticeship. Yeah, or, or it's like someone in Australia moving to to Harvard or to wherever to pursue law or 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 you know do a exchange program and pursue the best academies in the world if jujitsu like it was for you, like you identified, this is what I want to do with my career. Therefore you pursued that by going to at the time, the Harvard of jujitsu. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. That is the, if anything, it's the only thing that you should be doing, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that is what you, you should be doing. But again, we're talking to a very niche subset community. So for those out there, if you're not willing to move overseas, then you can either come train with me or if Sydney's too far away, go train with Lockie at yeah. Absolute in, in Melbourne. Yeah, those are the two best gyms yeah, they're, they're in Australia. They're the two in Australia, yep. yep. Me or Lockie, that's where you go. Only those two, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, but no, that makes sense. Yeah. I know there is a good gym out of Tasmania. That, is there? Yeah, there's a guy, I believe it's Tasmania. I hope I'm not 
butchering this. I think it's Tasmania. The guy, um, oh, I can't believe I, I, I don't have it at the top of my mind. He has a very popular YouTube channel uh, and mostly Nogi. It's like, I think it's Jiu-Jitsu Down Under or something along those lines. Again, I'm going to get butchered for this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think he's in, in Tassie. Anyway. There you go. There's never, one in Tassie too. I've never even been to Tasmania. Neither have I, bro. Mm. My, uh, Is it really Australia though? Nah, I mean, our international listeners have tuned out now because they're like, what the, fuck is, <laughs> what the fuck is Tasmania? Yeah, man. Like, look, if it's not connected by a bridge, I say no. Yeah, I agree. And that's <laughs> a good place to leave it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think, yeah. We got through a lot of really good questions this yeah, episode. Yeah, there were a couple of – there were a few questions uh, – that was submitted that we missed yeah. as always though, we'll, you know, get to them in another episode 100%. or please send in more questions. Mm-hmm. As you know, by now, this is a recurring segment. Mm-hmm. It's every 10 episodes, right? So yep. far it's tracking every yeah. episode 10, 20, and now episode 30, ask a black belt. So uh, I'm sure episode 40 will be the next edition of it. Yeah. Keep sending the questions in. And if you have a question you want us to answer on the show, feel free to submit that either on DMs on uh, Instagram, uh, but some of those we, we may miss. So if you want to guarantee that your your question is is considered for the show and we answer it, then the best place to do that is uh, we have a form set up, a web form, like a Google Docs form, and you can access that through our link tree on our Instagram. So go to our yeah. Instagram, click the link in our bio, and there you'll be able to get access to that form. And our Instagram, for those that aren't in the know, is at beyondjujitsu underscore podcast. Get on it, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time, see ya. Peace. 